Hello again, my name is Anne-Marie Zanzel and welcome to Coming Out and Beyond LGBTQIA Plus Stories. I am an ordained minister, bereavement counselor, conversationalist, spiritual wanderer, later in life lesbian, change maker, blogger, author, mom of four beautiful children, wife to my lovely wife, Tonda McKay, a northerner living in the South and trying to figure it all out. I share the stories of people who are coming out later in life to the LGBTQIA community and other queer stories. These stories are compelling, heartbreaking, joyful, and inspirational. I started this podcast because we need to normalize exploration and of sexuality and gender at all ages. Plus, visibility is vital to the queer community. It's never too late to be who we are created to be. My guest proved that. I am so excited to have my new guest today, Mary Husky, and let me tell you a little about her. Mary is a transformational travel junkie and explorer of inner and outer landscape. She loves to discover what lights people up up and helps move them in that direction. As a connector, reflector, motivator, and reverent passenger of the planet, Mary builds adventure trips and specialty retreats, which inspire deeper connections to the self, to the others, and to earth. She's a Colorado resident, but calls many places home, hiking in the high desert, anywhere on a bike, in the presence of the ancient redwoods, or in a kayak at sunrise. One of her core beliefs is nature nurtures. That's, it's, po- it's a powerful catalyst for personal growth and that unplugged outdoor experiences result in calmer, more grounded humans often, often looking forward, forward toward their future with their new eyes. Providing women a conduit for this kind of transformation is her jam and the driving force behind her new endeavor, Woman Out West Tours. Mary worked as a midwife and woman's health clinician for 20 years until a 10-day solo walkabout in the high desert radically shifted her perspective. Her mission now is to help other women on the path toward their best iteration using nature as a conduit. Her other side gigs include being mom to two phenomenal man children, sharing a <laughs> with her ex-husband down the street and spending an inordinate amount of time crafting adventures in her head. Welcome, Mary. It's so, I'm so glad to have you here today. So thank you. It's delightful to be with you today, Anne-Marie. So Mary, tell me your story. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Such a loaded question. <laughs> yes. Well, I'll I'll buzz through the early parts pretty quickly. Um, I was uh, I was raised in Nebraska and Ohio, two places in the '70s and '80s that really didn't offer many role models for women loving women or queer or gay people at all. Um, I so I dated men in my high school and college years. Um, and I met my husband, um, when I was 29 at a wedding and I would say that he was hands down the best human being I had ever met. Um, and even though during my college years, I had gotten hold of a book by Adrian Rich called of woman born that, um, 
I didn't have the words for it then, but it talked about the, the, the gender roles that we are kind of encultured to. And um, it was comp het that she was talking about at that point. Um, and I started thinking that, um, yeah, I could probably date a woman. And I was more inclined to think that um, that, that would be where I headed. But um, uh, by the time that I fell in love with my my best friend in college, she had already fallen in love with someone else. And so I kind of shut that down. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so so I kind of went on and continued dating men. And I had just started dating a woman for the first time two weeks before I met my husband. And that's why I say he was hands down the better human being that I had ever met and wanted to pair up with. Uh-huh. So, um, so he and I got married, we had children. Um, it was a lovely time for the first probably five or seven years. And then something started to not feel right. And I started feeling like I was compromising myself, um, couldn't connect with him physically. Um, I was irritable a lot. And, um, and, and so at that point, we had been friends with um, we had a very open and affirming church, a very open and affirming school that our kids went to, and our neighborhood was pretty, pretty liberal and open. So um, we had become friends with a, a lesbian couple that had been married for 17 years. And one on my 40th birthday, um, one of those women, one of my really good friends, she told me that she had a kitchen pass for me, and um, I didn't know what that meant. And we had, you know, between the two couples, my ex-husband and I, he's very fluid in his thinking, very open as well. Um, but we had, we had spent a, a number of years, you know, flirting and just talking smack and running things back and forth. Um, but we knew that they had an open marriage. Um, but I was flabbergasted when she, on my 40th birthday, said, hey, um, would you be interested in exploring something? So... It set me back, made me think, took me about a year to say yes. Mm-hmm. During that year, I thought a lot. I talked with my ex-husband and um, he has always been and remains very encouraging um, in my life journey. And I love that about him and about our relationship. Um, but the one thing that we wanted to do was keep our family together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the first, the first thought. We had two small boys and... Uh, that's where we were wanted to put our energies. So on my 41st birthday, I said, okay, let's try this. Mm-hmm. And for about three months, we, um, we dated and it rocked my world. And it made me realize that that's exactly where I needed to be and who I needed to be with. Mm-hmm. And it rocked my world so much that I um, immediately went back in the closet <laughs> because I just couldn't, I could not wrap my head around changing what was really a comfortable life, a lovely time with my kids um, and, and hurting this person in my life that I loved so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so three years later um, and three years of progressive irritability, getting frustrated, being angry more than I, I should have. I, um, I told my, my ex-husband that I, I needed to have a change and I just couldn't, I just couldn't be with him anymore. 
um, in a physical sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, of course, that conversation was um, heartbreaking and uh, very difficult. And mm-hmm. so we opened up our relationship to, to dating and I, and we stayed under the same roof. I dated the same person that I dated initially for a year and, mm-hmm. she, and he dated as well. And we did that for about a year until I met what I consider my real kind of life catalyst. And uh, this woman was in my life for on and off for about eight years. Mm-hmm. And um, so she was my catalyst. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I would say that she taught me about the both ends of the spectrum of relationship with women. Mm-hmm. Uh, the joy and the laughter and the, the, the fun and the incredible connection, as well as what I thought was kind of normal at that time. I, I didn't have anything to compare it to. So mm-hmm. there, was, there was difficulty and miscommunication and vol- volatility. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that's kind of what I, it was a package deal. So it took me a number of years and a number of tries with this person to, um, to break out of that cycle and come into a place where now I have all the, the gifts from that relationship that I hold and the boundaries from that relationship that I hold. And mm-hmm. I'm, um, I am so thankful for that. Mm-hmm. So, so that's kind of my, my in a nutshell, mm-hmm. um, coming out story. Um, well, you know, I just want to just, because you said a word and I just want to, uh, let's talk about it a little bit because a lot of people don't know what compet means. And so when you were talking about Adrian Rich, can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about what compulsory heterosexuality means? Right, right. Compulsory heterosexuality. Um, it's, it's, a, it's where we find ourselves as women in a culture that, um, that grooms us to, into certain gender roles, you know, right. and men and women both suffer from this. Mm-hmm. Um, but women, for sure, we are kept in um, a very narrow definition of who we should be, how we should live, what we should look like, um, our financial situations. Um, so, and it's a newer word for me as well. Um, and I'm sure there are more meanings around it. But when I read Adrienne Rich's book of Woman Born, she's a feminist, a lesbian feminist writer and, um, and poet back in the 70s and 80s. She, she just clearly laid out that there is another avenue for women, women's full expression of, of themselves and, contra- and contributors to the world Yes, that we don't have access to because we are slotted into a very narrow definition. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that was when my eyes opened uh, to possibly dating women, but also my voice. I had not felt like I had a voice up to that point. And I'm like, darn it, uh, or more than that, uh, I have a voice and I am angry that this is the limited view that I have been taught up to this point of myself. So I heard, um, so I'm just going to say, I heard another limited view and I'm wondering if it had just changed because when you had that experience with, with, with the first woman you were with and um, you were like, we, we wanted to keep our family together. Do you see that in a different light now? Because a lot of times when women are thinking about divorcing and thinking about coming out, 
they 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 often talk about blowing up their family, destroying their family. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got to keep my family together. Now that you've done this, like you're you're divorced and you've been divorced for a while from your mm-hmm. ex, how do you view it now? I think that my children and my ex-husband are happier people um, with us being apart. I saw progressive a progressive um, a progression toward um, anger and frustration and dissatisfaction, and I could not have been a functionally full-bodied human being for my kids um, mm-hmm. in that relationship if I had stayed. So um, everyone is happier. And I think I, I, compl- I was completely operating under the, the four-person nuclear family is the model. Uh, and I wanted to keep that model. I didn't know anything else. I didn't... I mean, I had these two women and their son who was part of our friendship circle as examples, but in my mind, that didn't really count as a family. And for the first probably three to five years, I struggled with that. I felt apologetic. I felt incredible grief that the three of us, my two boys and I didn't constitute a family mm-hmm. and we didn't count. And um and, you know, a lot of straight friends fell away because they didn't know what to do with me as a single person calling mm-hmm. myself a family. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. And I also loved him so much. I love him as a person and I mm-hmm. loved him so much that I wanted to give us, I wanted to try all the options. Right. But I think you're right. I think I was steeped in that this is one way to have a family and right. we don't have role models and we need role models. Yes. So, and that's why visibility matters so much, you know, yes. seeing all different kinds yes. of families, seeing, seeing all different kinds of ways people come out, see, seeing all kinds of ways. A lot of couples um, do exactly what you and your husband did. They often, sometimes they open up their marriages and sometimes mm-hmm. it works. Um, sometimes it doesn't. In my experience, I have found it, it often to be a stepping stone. I was just going to say those words, a stepping stone. It's a necessary part of that developmental phase of disentangling from that relationship, whether it was loving or not. Well, yes. And I also think that it, it becomes a stepping stone into one of the partners. And sometimes it's the straight partner that says, I can't do this anymore. I, mm-hmm. I need to have something. I, I need to have a connection with a person in, in you know, a one-on-one monogamous connection. And so um, I do think that a lot of people use that as a stepping stone. So that's very normal if someone is yeah. in the process of doing that right now. So all this happened and then you took something called, you call it walkabout, right? Yes. Well, there were a number of years there. Go ahead. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and really what we really want to talk about today is uh, what the work you do now, which I think is so important. Sure. So, so about the walkabout. Yeah. Yes. So it was somewhere in that messy middle. Um, it was about 2015. Uh, I was turning 50 and I wanted to do a couple of major things for my 50th birthday and celebrate that. But it was in this, wow, I'm a single parent. Uh, I'm a new homeowner. I'm, I'm a clinician that's not making a lot of money. <laughs> mm-hmm. I need to, I need, I need something different. Something I need to be by myself. And I had not, I think I, I, I write on my website. I had not been alone for 10 days in over 20 years. 
-hmm. and I had not been in the wilderness ever. So I decided I was going to take a, a trip to Zion a National Park and then work my way back through some of the remote areas of Utah. I took myself out there um, with an idea of all these things I wanted to do. And I, as I got out there, I realized I don't want to live this vacation or this time away the way I live my life, packing all sorts of stuff in every day, feeling harried, feeling overwhelmed. So I decided to take everything off my agenda and just let the universe drop in whatever it wanted to drop in. Mm -hmm. And it was magical. It was a better planned, more incredible trip than I ever could have come up with. Um, for 10 days, I was out, I was meeting people, I was bumping into old friends, old, old relatives. Um, I was hearing my mother who my mother's words come out of other people's mouths I hadn't heard in forever. Um, I was hearing my words about how the universe was dropping incredible things into my life every day come out of the, the mouth of someone I had just offered my campsite to share. Um, he's like, every, every day, the universe is dropping in amazing things. So I went out there into the desert and around Escalani and Boulder, Utah. And if you've ever been out there, it is remote, it is vast, it is magical, and it is sacred. It's, it's mm -hmm the first, first people, you know, out there, I felt so small and all of the, all of, all my deaf self-definition fell away, all the obligations, all the stress. And I was able to start tapping into what I actually thought, what I actually felt in my heart, what my gut was saying, the commentary that is in your body that we don't slow down mm -hmm. to pay attention to. It's that somatic felt sense. Um, so I, I just started thinking about my life differently. And little by little, I, from that point on, I kind of shifted my life toward a different, a different path for myself. Um, I'm losing my train of thought. So, you, so said, you, you said, you started to say that you shifted your yeah. path for because you were having these amazing experiences with people saying all kinds of things that yeah. were from your past and the universe was dropping in so much on you. Yeah, it just it it just put me in a place where not only my brain and my cognition was driving me forward into my next step. It was that gut and that intuition that um, is so important that showed me that I eventually needed to get out of clinical practice. It was too chaotic. It was from a, from a trauma space that I was working. I was excellent at what I did. I loved the patients that I worked with. And um, it was like my crack. You know, you love it, but it doesn't do you well <laughs> over the long run. Um, so that's, that transition started at that point. Um, also, I looked at my relationships a little differently. What served me? what doesn't serve me and being able to start letting go with grace, those relationships that weren't lighting me up and that weren't um, coming from a, a good, a good place. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, so yeah, that, that happened. And uh, I went into another couple of years of uh, work and the ending of that on and off eight year relationship with my catalyst also was a catalyst for me leaving the clinic. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm so thankful for that relationship 
And um, I got to a point in uh, 2019 where I realized I am burned out and I am no good here. And I had, I left and I left quickly and I started kind of in a controlled free fall mm-hmm. back into a nursing position, working with one person, mm-hmm. a delightful person who couldn't speak. All she could do was laugh and, and, and smile. So for a year, I, I cared for her and mm-hmm. I let my neurologic system completely just settle and reset. And in that quiet, I was able to start hearing and thinking and opening up those doors of, of creativity in my brain to what's next, where do you want to put me? Universe, what, what you got for me? And from outside voices, people in my life were saying, Mary, you do this thing so well, you go out into the desert for the last seven years, you've been, you've been going out here and, and, and exploring these areas and we want to go with you. And what are your itineraries? So that was my first seed of thought that I could maybe move into this full time. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. has been delightful. And mm-hmm. we had our first season last spring and um, the first two trips were wildly successful and the women were amazing. And they came out of these trips with this shifted, I won't say radically shifted, but starting to shift the perspective on their life, given permission, giving themselves permission to think big thoughts and big dreams about how they can plug into the world and where their gifts and, ta- get, gifts and talents are that mm-hmm. can be used in the world. So that's what I'm doing now. We're not West so exciting. And yeah. um, I know that you have a tagline for your company and I would love to hear it again. I always forget it. So you're going to have to tell me. <laughs> yes. yes. So it's women out West tours, find your exhale, feed your joy. Find your exhale. Ah, like, <sighs> exactly exactly there's so many there's so many people in the world and businesses that say breathe you know inspire breathe whatever um I find that the exhale for me is what's most important uh as a midwife we wouldn't say breathe 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 during labor we would say or I would say give me a long low exhale over the count of four just it, to me, it speaks of relaxation. It speaks of um, exhaling all the, you know, all the crap. <laughs> um, we often don't use our full lung capacity during the day. We, we're busy and busy, busy, and we're just, <laughs> and this speaks to also being out in nature going, holy crap, look at all this amazing stuff. And you often go, wow, you know, and that's an exhale. Um, so it exhale just spoke to me Mm -hmm. Um, yeah it speaks to me too as well I find that um a lot of times we struggle with anxiety and depression and and we hold our breath a lot yeah and and one of the things that we really have to especially those of us who've grown up in traumatic childhoods we often hold our breath a lot it's it's not something you're like thinking about you just do and so learning to I remember when I was really practicing yoga pretty heavily, we would practice um, having our intake um, equal our outtake. And what I always found, it was easier for me to breathe out than to breathe in actually. Oh, deeply enough, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I think it's like to be able to sit there and to breathe and to feel the inhale and the exhale is amazing and a lot of times we don't take the time to do that 
Right. When we are going through all the transition and change as women, when we're either coming out or even going through a divorce and not coming out, a lot of times our breath gets held because we're so anxious and so nervous. And so learning to exhale is a real, there's a book, learning to exhale. Oh, <laughs> there's that old book, yeah. Uh, learning yeah. in text, like Tony Moore, who was that? Who wrote that? But anyway, oh, learning, I don't know. yeah, learning to exhale is a really wonderful thing to do. Yeah. It just shows that we are letting go and we're letting go of things that don't serve us. We're letting go into our future. Um, yeah. yeah. And find, go ahead. Finding your joy. Finding your joy. So yeah. um, I come from a Mennonite background and uh, my mother was grew up Mennonite um, and there was not a lot of joy taught in my particular Mennonite family. Um, there's a lot of good things that came out of that tradition, but um feeling like we deserve joy and that joy can be something that we seek and can feed us was not one of them. And it wasn't until about three years ago where I realized that, that this is something that I'm actually feeling when I'm out in these natural areas, which are an incredible resource for spirituality and sense of self grounding your sense of self. Joy is um, something that we, can feel as humans. So why not pursue it? Because it's on that beautiful end of the spectrum that leads us forward. The, um, the sense of awe, joy, and playfulness are three incredibly powerful catalysts for life change. And mm -hmm. all three of these things are what I build into my trips. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. finding joy, being able to name it, and give yourself permission to even think about it. Like what would be joyful today? We don't even give ourselves permission to do that. So when we're seven years old and we wake up in the morning, we're like, what's gonna be fun today, you know? And so, and it's not, there's nothing like being out among, in remarkable places in nature that, that stirs that seven-year-old in you and helps you remember yourself, which helps lead you forward into your best future. Yes. So before the world well, got a hold of us. It's connecting, it's connecting with that inner child, not in a place of trauma, Yeah. not in a place of chaos, but connecting with that inner child before she experienced all of that. And she was just mm -hmm. a kid. Right. Before the world told us who we needed to be and quieted our voice. Well, yeah, and oftentimes families, just because of the nature of them and how they're constructed, we often have roles in our family, and, and the, oftentimes those roles are thrust upon us. I mean, and, and it's not, right. most, most of the time, it's not done with intention. It's just with how the family system exists. Mm -hmm. And so learning how to find joy again, you know, for that five-year-old or that 10-year-old or that 15-year-old or that 20-year-old is actually, and, and recognizing it and seeing it is so unbelievably healing mm -hmm. to our entire beings. It because is. really, it, it's like joy, gratefulness. You mentioned a couple other things. Joy, uh, playfulness. Uh, yeah, playfulness. All of those are so intrinsic for to helping us with happiness, but also because happiness seems so like down there while those seem so up here. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it, it helps us to have sustenance for the journey that we are going to take through life. 
so that we mm-hmm. can create something absolutely wonderful. Because mm-hmm. believe it or not, we all have the power to create something wonderful. And, you know, Mary's jive, jive is she wants to do transformational um, trips. And my jive is I want to start doing more retreats and, and doing other work besides working with the later on life community, but also working with more just queer people, queer women. And so, you know, it, it is, we need all those things to keep going. <laughs> We just do. Yeah. Yeah. Because those yes. help you those help you through the good days and also through the bad days. You know? Right. Right. And so Mary and, and I oh I'm sorry. Go ahead, honey. Well, and some people believe that um we're here just to slog through life or they don't have a, a different vision of it. And and I've realized that we are these human souls um placed here. And if you want to think about it this way, we have gifts and talents. And mm-hmm. we if we can plug into the world. Um, in our unique way and find that, that particular place um, that is our best expression. That's kind of the purpose of existence. For me, that's the pur- purpose of existence. That's the purpose of why we're here. Um, yeah. So I always, live into ourselves fully. Yeah. I'm always, I always say that we are um, souls having a human experience. Right. So I truly right. believe that. So in my belief system, I just believe that this is just one stop in my journey. And yeah. that, like earth <laughs> um, is one stop on my journey and my soul will go on after this. I'm not quite yeah. sure where, I don't know how, um, but I believe that it's, it's, it's almost Buddhist in nature. I believe that mm-hmm. I am here to learn something and, and, and that, I'm in the process. And sometimes, I don't know about you, Mary, I'm like, God, I just wish I was done. <laughs> and then life- Well, there's those days. Yeah, there's, there, the, then life throws us another curveball. Um, but it's been really interesting lately. You know, I've had, I've been having some experiences and I, you know, they're personal, but like, it was like, I had a very similar experience about six or seven years ago. And now I'm thinking about the same things. And it's so interesting because of what's happened in the last six and seven years. I'm thinking about it in such a different place. It's like that spiral. You're at the same place on a different level of that spiral. Oh, yes. You know? Because six, seven years ago, it was deep fear, like deep oh. fear. And now this time, it's like, I can do this. I'm going to be oh. I'll be able to handle awesome. this if, if it if things don't work out the way they're supposed to do. I'll be okay. I can take care of myself. Wow, Which, that's great. You know, seven years ago, after a very long marriage, I didn't. I was so terrified to leave that safety, that safety net. Yes, I and remember. Now, I, I know I can take care of myself. So good. And it <laughs> happens over time, and we can't rush it. We just can't rush it, and right. we have to go through that sometimes. Mm-hmm. But you know that there's there is a time where you will wake up one day and your primary focus of existence will not be, how do I get through this gay day? Yeah. You know? yeah. And, and you're going to be on to the next thing that lights you up, mm-hmm. which, which we should talk about. <laughs> yeah. So Mary and I met each other because um, Mary started this company, has been doing this company now for a couple of years, and she knew that I worked with women coming out later in life. And so she reached out. Now, this is what, is very ironic. What was I it was doing? It's the universe. It's, it's yeah, the it universe. was the universe. It was the universe. But I was literally 
doing, I don't know the net. Oh, Anna. So I was doing something the next day because I am doing a couple of retreats coming up. And I had in my mind that I really wanted to do some transformational retreats, um, uh, in, in the next you know year. And so I'm also working with another woman, Anna Empey, to do a retreat. And we were going to meet the next day to talk about stuff. And Mary, Mary reached out to me on a Thursday. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is exactly what I'm looking for because I love to do retreats. I just don't want to do all the details. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm good at that. The interesting thing was, um, I, I, I emailed you and then you emailed back immediately and you said, do you believe in the universe? And I went, <laughs> absolutely. I believe in the universe. I've been living that wave and that way for the last two years. And she said, I just hung up the phone with my partner and my business partner. And we were just talking about getting someone on board to do retreats. And so within an hour or minutes or whatever, I, know. Pop, it, I pop in. So uh, this, this is going to be a, a good relationship. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited because you and I have very similar values around things. Yeah. And so we are doing two retreats together. We would love to invite our listeners today. We would love to invite various any person who is women identifying and who who feel cisgender, trans, and non-binary folks comfortable in those faces to come on on two upcoming retreats for, with us. So the first one, um, well, actually, the first one is the first one date wise is yeah. um, regarding people who are looking to release religious expectations from their lives. Um, it will be now, Mary, I'm going to ask you to give us all the details. Sure. Because that's your job. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, this is a, a retreat for a small group of people, there will be 10 spaces. It is held on the grounds of Ghost Ranch, New Mexico. And if anybody knows George O'Keefe as a, this incredible artist mm -hmm. from the 20s to the 50s or 60s, she, this is her land uh, or she stayed there. And it, it's in a place called Casa del Sol. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a historic building and it is, it's unplugged. And it's two miles into the hills uh, that Georgia O'Keeffe painted. And it's on sacred land in this northern New Mexico area. There are labyrinths on the property, which I don't know if you know that, but um, what they are. But they are things to walk. They're spiritual paths to walk. Um, and they're very meditative and very reflective. And there's a heart-shaped one right here on that property. It is, Ghost Ranch is a spiritual retreat and event center. Mm -hmm. um, so it's very focused on providing wellness retreats and, and spirit, things that will dr drive um, human evolution and growth. So this is from the 26th to the 29th of October, mm -hmm. 10 people. Um, and I don't know if you know want me to... No, I'll talk about that a little bit. But yeah, I'm excited because there's an incredible agenda and I will be my, my second guide and I will be leading you into some of the beautiful places for a little bit of nature immersion because nature is an incredible unlimited spiritual resource. Um, mm -hmm. Mm 
Mm-hmm. But Anne-Marie will talk more about what she's doing. Yeah. So I am partnering with Anna Empey. Um, Anna Empey and I met three years ago, and she actually is my, my web designer. But as we became, got to know each other and became friends, our relationship grew. And Anna and I have Anna has come out of a conservative Mormon background and has done a lot of work deconstructing her faith. And so the more we talked about it, the more we realized that we would like to have a retreat for women identifying people who really want to work on releasing their religious expectations, their religious wounds, which often come first as women and then second as members of the LGBTQI a family. And we're going to do a lot of work in this retreat about understanding how conservative religion um, has shamed us first as women and then as LGBTQIA family members. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about our trauma responses and really work on developing some self-compassion. Um, we're also going to work on overcoming the seeds of like the self-doubt and self-hate that often is planted by conservative religion for anybody who doesn't fall into line with the beliefs. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, those of us who have grown up in conservative faith traditions or Sometimes you're not, you haven't actually grown up in a conservative faith tradition, but your mom or dad has. And so that, those seeds that have long been planted in them are often planted in you. And so thinking about how there is nothing wrong with you, but that you're wonderfully and beautifully made as just as you are. And we're going to sort of unpack the religious upbringing and we're going to gain new confidence and courage to speak up about this and use our voice. And there's some other things. So like if you're somebody who is still in the closet and you're really struggling to leave the closet because of your religious beliefs, you you are welcome at this retreat too because we will help you Think about how to leave the closet that's most appropriate for you and how you would like to do it. And we're also going to do some work around setting boundaries with our conservative religious families, those that you still want to have a relationship with, but and you still want them in your life, but you will need to set some boundaries. So there's going to be a lot of things we're going to talk about it, talk about, but you know, it's not all going to be work. So One of the things that Anna and I, when we were talking that day and then Mary showed up on our doorstep, is that we really want the power of nature with these retreats because we do deeply believe that nature is so deeply healing for religious and and spiritual wounds. And so we're really going to do only like an hour or two, an hour and a half, two hours in the morning. Um, But the rest of the day will be used for hikes and natures and opportunities for reflection and also opportunities to build community with other women who will be there who come from similar backgrounds. This is for any woman who defines herself as coming from a conservative faith tradition it can be people from the Islamic, from Judaism, from Christianity, any faith tradition that you feel that has limited 
you first as a woman and then second as a LGBTQIA family member. So did I cover all the bases? <laughs> I think so. I okay. think so. Yeah. That's, okay. that's wonderful. Yeah. So the second retreat that Mary and I are doing, and this one very excited about as well, it is called I'm Here, I'm Queer, What's Next? <laughs> because Mary and I have both experienced that. And so this is a retreat just led by Mary and myself. So go ahead. Take take it away. <laughs> okay. So um, this uh, is October 31st through November 4th. It is not in New Mexico. It is... Um, where I normally run my tours in Torrey, Utah. And it's a remote area that again, incredible, incredible sacred land. Um, it is fun. There are slot canyons and waterfalls and you don't need to be a crazy adrenaline junkie to do this. Um, but it is, uh, it's going to be at the Red Sand, at a hotel and spa. So it will be comfortable beds. We're not talking about backpacking or sleeping mm -hmm. on the ground. Um, comfortable lodging. Uh, it's all-inclusive lodging and meals. Um, it's, a, it's a very small town right next to Capitol Reef National Park. And so we'll be doing a couple of hikes in some slot canyons and to a beautiful natural bridge in, in Capitol Reef. And then we're going to go up over Boulder Mountain and go into what's called Singing Canyon, which is ethereal and gorgeous and um, see some amazing things down in the Grand Staircase Escalani National Monument. So it's over the course of five days and four nights. Mm -hmm. um, it is going to be a group of any, any women in, well, I'm going to let you take it away. <laughs> did I tell everything that I needed to, to say? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and Mary and I are really excited about this because this is what we both consider a visioning retreat. This is for people who are comfortable with their queerness. So in our later in life community, we talk about people just starting out and we talk about people who are in the messy middle and then we talk about people who are on the other side. I think this retreat personally is best for someone who says, yeah, I'm almost through the messy middle and I'm on the other side. Or you could be in the messy middle and be really super comfortable with your queerness. Um, this is a retreat for people who are here, <laughs> they're queer and they're wondering what's next. And so what I have realized when I have talked to other, some of my peers who come out at the same time is that a lot of times, you know, we've done all this stuff. We've done, made massive changes to our lives. And then we're starting to think to ourselves, okay, what do I want to do next? What do I want to do with all this learning and all this growth and mm -hmm. all this wisdom that I now have to share with the world. And so this is a place where we are going to help you figure that out. But also nature's going to help figure it out. It is yeah. because that to me again, I really wanted this to be unplugged in nature so that people have an opportunity to not only connect with themselves and their souls, but connect with other women who are in the process of sort of figuring out what's next for their lives themselves. And I see a faraway look in your eye, and so I'm wondering what you're thinking. <laughs> oh, I was thinking about how to say this next thing. I love, I love what you've said so far. Um, I put myself out into one of the hikes, and I'm like, what is it about? What is it about being out here? 
And I think that as women were told a lot, how to look, how to be, what to do, what our potential is, and we stop dreaming, we stop tapping into the intuition, we stop tapping into the gut feeling, the, and we sometimes lose that, that, those messaging systems, the hell yes and the hell no, um, that drives us forward into making really good decisions for ourselves. Mm-hmm. What going out into nature did for me, this particular area, um, I stood on the, the side of this cliff and I was able to start tapping into that you know, everything else fell away, tapping into that, like, I can hear myself think now, I can, what does my body want? What does my body feel? I'm going to try on that thought. Does it feel good in my head? No, I'm going to dream that dream. Does that light me? Yeah, that lights me up. Um, So I was thinking about what is it that helps that nature helps with it helps ground us. Mm -hmm. It helps all the chaos kind of fall away. And we can hear ourselves and feel ourselves. And that's exactly where we need to be to make any really informed decision going forward. Right. And so I think it's really important to, whether you're able to come on a trip like this or not, but just to get your feet in the grass, to get out in the park, to, to know that nature nurtures, to get yourself somewhere away from all the digital stuff and away from all the voices and people, you know, doing this thing. Chattering, chattering. Yeah, yeah telling so us. I'm a, so I'm that. very excited. I'm very yeah, excited. Me too. So this is okay. So this is both up on both of our websites. Um, you can find it at amoryzanzel.com and at well, womenoutwesttours.com. But I have to say, it's not up yet. Remember? Uh, oh, <laughs> that's right. We're pre-taping. We're pre-taping. So don't worry. I'm sorry, I'm not used to this world. <laughs> so yes, it's up on our website, and um, we're very excited to to have you join us. And you can contact either of us. Mm-hmm. very personally and ask all the questions you want and you don't have to be a crazy hiker you to be out in these areas I like to say that um, the pace is really unhurried and everyone no one's left behind right. everyone is supported and it's going to be wonderful Mary said something to me which was really important when we were first discussing work together working together she said we always tailor our hikes to the to the person the abilities and the needs of the of the group so right. yes right. and so so that no and i love that that nobody's left behind it's like, right yeah now that said there is there is you know you have to have walk uh, working knees yeah. and a hip and back and be able to walk for two miles and maybe go up and down stairs and we provide hiking poles and backpacks and you know yeah. Yeah. And the heaviest (laughs) backpack is five pounds. So, yeah, so it is going to be a wonderful time. I am, I'm like so excited. I actually got, I booked my dog watcher today. (laughs) She's going to take the dog. Um, Okay. So um, Mary, when you were coming out, did you have a coming out song? Oh, yes. It was Sarah Borella's Brave. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was because she talks about use your voice. And mm-hmm. I was realizing that my voice had been quieted for so long. And interesting story, my, my ex-husband decided to out himself and our situation by using a video of me dancing in the kitchen to Sarah Bareilles' Brave. I didn't know he was filming it. Um, ah. And he put it on Facebook and he said, this is what happens when you leave your doors unlocked and a crazy lesbian walks in and rocks Sarah Bareilles' Brave. <laughs> so uh that was very 
surprising and, and, and wonderful that he was able to do that at that time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was my song. So. And how about, and have you read a book or a movie? I'm sorry, have you yeah, read a book or seen a movie that has really changed your perspective about things? Um, I am looking at my bookshelf here and I still have Adrian Rich's Of Woman Born because mm-hmm. that helped um, open my eyes, helped me realize that women were in my vision as potential partners. And it helped me um, want more of that feminist theory and that, that learning. And that, um, that spurred me to write my own major in women's studies uh, mm-hmm. in the 80s at this little college and, and really head in that direction. So you I know, say that. You know, later in life, lesbians, I know that it were women's studies in majors in college. In college, it always cracks me up. It's like, yeah, that was like, I should put that on my list of seven signs. That yeah. You were a women's studies major. I was. And my father said, I never should have let you go to that college. (laughs) I'm like, yes. And that's the environment I came out of. That's what made me gay. That's what made me gay. All those women. It was Karen Beckwith. (laughs) Yeah. So so you have been on such a transformative journey. Um, How would you describe your life today? More joyful than I ever could have imagined. Hmm. And that's, I, I was thinking about, maybe she's going to ask me a question like that. What am I going to answer? And that's, yeah, more joyful than I ever could. There's hard days. There's stressful days. There's back pain, but, yeah. um, <laughs> but, but more joyful and I feel more deserving. Mm-hmm. And I never three years ago imagined that I would be doing this, that I'm, that I'm yeah. doing. So, yeah, Just so, how it's many possible. People, yeah. Let's just think about how many people who may be listening to this. You know, this could be you three years from now. You could be talking right. to someone saying, gosh, I couldn't believe that I could be doing this. Right. Like, yeah. Right. And what helped me get there was stepping back from the chaotic clinic, spending a year listening and going, okay, God, okay, universe, what's next? Place me where you want me, where my gifts and talents are best used. And yeah. trusting those doors that open and walking through them, like walking through that door with you. Yeah. And having you respond. Well, it was so interesting too, because also too, like I think about it now because I moved down here and I was so done being a chaplain. I had been a chaplain for a long time and I did actually end up getting a per diem job down here. And I live in Nashville now. And I, and I was a per diem chaplain for about a year. And I'm like, why am I doing this? I, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and it really was like, I, I understand because I, I wished I had listened to my voice because I would have started doing all of this a year earlier, but I was too scared. I was too scared to, but it um, happened the way it should. It happened the way it should. It happened. Um, it happened the way it should. And I needed it. I needed to, to like really confirm that I didn't want to do that more so all right miss mary it was lovely talking to you today thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and your experience i am so excited to see where women out west tours are going to go i know it's going to go phenomenally so thank you thank you so much delightful to talk with you today